Y'all can have a seat. Again, so glad that you're here today. David, thank you for leading worship. Man, our, our parenting crew. We got three song leaders out of that crew. What a, what a blessing that is. So, so glad to have y'all today. If you want to grab your bulletin, follow along. We're going to be using that. Of course, our notes are on the app as well. So a woman, a uh, young lady, was it? Would just get really to know our church family, and they had a huge, big, important uh, ladies' ministry, women's ministry. And one night she was hosting the women's ministry, not only her but along with her daughters as well, and including her five-year-old young daughter. So she had worked all day to get everything ready. She had made sure that everything was right at her, her house. She wanted to have a great dinner. Not just not to make a good impression, but to welcome people into our home. So everything got ready, and they gathered around this big table in their living room. And then she turned to her five-year-old daughter, and she said, Would you like to say the blessing? The little girl kind of just looked at her, and very subtly nodded, nodded, shook her head, with a little bit of fear in her eyes. And the little girl whispered to her mom, I don't know what to say. The mom said some good advice. She said, just pray like mommy prays. Just say what mommy says. And then her mom gave her just a little nudge. Everybody's smiling at the little girl. The little girl finally bowed her head. All the ladies bowed their head. And then the little girl said, dear Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people to <laughs> Prayer, as we're talking about today, it's one of those things we're, we're familiar with. We've already prayed five times in this service today. It's something that we do. It's something that we're expected to do. It's something that you may do every evening around the dinner table or before you go to sleep or in the mornings. Most of us have a comfortability with prayer. But if we're honest, I think most of us would admit that it is the one spiritual discipline that we struggle with. There's seasons that church family that I honestly would say, man, I was a person of prayer for this time in my life. And then there's been seasons where I've struggled. There's times where I'm more controlled by distractions than I am the presence of God. There's times that I'm more interested in my to-do list than I am in moments with my Lord. There's times that I have celebrated being in His presence, and there's times that I've wandered in desert places where I haven't known what to say or how to say it. Can you relate? Today, the question as we wrap up our summer school, week seven of our walk through these specific times where Jesus and the disciples are given these special moments where Jesus will teach directly to something in their heart. We're going to ask the question, how do we learn to pray? How can we learn to be people that not just pray out of rote obedience, but out of a longing that we've had, a longing that really is connected to what we've tried to do all summer, a longing to be a student, a learner. And I love that the passage we have today is we don't have to look far. We can go right inside the inner circle of Jesus and we have a moment in Luke chapter 11 where his disciples turn to him and they make a request. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. So let's pick it up in Luke chapter 11, first couple of verses. 
As we take the posture of students today, as we take this posture of being ready to learn from our Lord, this request is so beautiful. It goes like this. It says, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. There's a lot to that little phrase. We'll get into that. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say. Now, before we jump into the prayer that you all know well, I want you to know this, that Luke, in the first half of his gospel, establishes pattern. Rhythm to Jesus' life. The ongoing quest he had to find quiet places to pray. It's in chapter 4, 5, and 6. Over and over, the gospel describes Jesus as getting away to quiet places to pray. So the quest that these disciples are making is connected to observation. They see him. They notice him. They, They are witnessing a life that is spent in prayer. And they want to be there. Now remember, to be a follower of a rabbi in first century Judaism is to say with conviction, I want to be just like this teacher. These disciples have left everything. So they want not only to follow, but they want to be like Jesus in life, in living, in wisdom, and in prayer. So in any rabbi... What they did, and we, we know that probably Jesus did this as well, just as you see his life. The rabbis had set prayers and set prayer times. You woke in the morning, and most rabbis would pray the Shema from Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They would pause at noon again and pray another prayer, probably from the Psalms, and then in the evening, They would pray a third time. Each rabbi would practice this, maybe with their own little nuance in their certain way. But three times a day, Jesus is praying. So it's natural then that the disciples, as they see this pattern, are wanting to learn. They're wanting to say, Lord, teach us to live like that. We see the power in it. We see the the amazing way you interact with people, and we know it's connected to prayer. And so they, Lord... Teach us. He said, Lord, teach us to be like that. And here's what Jesus says. The shortened version of what we find in Matthew. Jesus says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. It's a simple prayer. A short prayer. It's a prayer we know, it's a prayer we say, it's a prayer that we can go through without much thinking, but in it is so much richness and so much depth. And I want to just break this down just a little bit, not to squash the butterfly. Sometimes we go to Scripture and it's got this beauty about it, and instead of looking at it for being beautiful, we're like, let me just squash it and break it down a little much. That's not what I want to do. I want to look at this. I'm going to give you four P's of prayer four parts of prayer really quickly this morning. Not for a formula, but for formation. Not for us to just have steps of prayer, because that's great if you need some steps of prayer, but I promise you, 
That is only a step. A step of prayer will get you going, but don't rely on the steps. Rely on the one you're praying. So this isn't formula, this is formation. But I first want you to notice this about this prayer, is place. The first part of prayer that Jesus does is notice that Jesus finds a certain place to pray. Don't discredit this. To pray like Jesus, it means to find quiet, private places to be with the Father. Jesus calls this place in Matthew 6, 6, a prayer closet, right? Go away by yourself. Don't pray like the hypocrites out in front of people wanting to be noticed. The idea here about a prayer closet is about to be in a place free of distraction. Place matters in prayer. There's something about that daily habit, that daily walk, that morning coffee. I love to pray with that mug of coffee somewhere in front of me. It's not that the coffee has any power. It's just rhythm in my life. Maybe it's your commute or on your route. Place matters. But place matters not only in location. I think place also matters in priority. Where does that place find itself in that list of to-dos? For prayer to have place, it's got to have priority. So place matters. Second, I think what we hear in this prayer is presence. Jesus begins his prayer with a primary point. He is answering the longing of all humanity. The question that matters most to us. Who is God and what is he like? What you believe about God is maybe the most important thing about you. And Jesus begins with a two-word answer. What is God like? It's the first two words of the prayer. Our Father. The God we meet in Jesus' prayer is present. He's not an abstract idea. He's not a distant deity. He's not a pagan, angry God out to get us. He's not a doctrine to defend. God is a Father. A personal presence for the follower of Jesus to know, to address, and to encounter. Jesus says something radical. God is a parent. And not a parent that is bad, but a parent who is good and loves, and even loves those that you don't. He's a parent whose presence is hopeful and delightful. He is our Father. In just two words, Jesus blows the door off the boxes we put around God. The box that says God is vindictive, God the distant, God the vending machine to meet all my personal needs. The Our Father, the opening of the prayer, is Jesus teaching us, one, that we're never alone. It's Our Father. Have you ever sat with those two words taken in that when you pray Our Father, you are joining a river of millions of people who pray that prayer? There's comfort in that there's comfort in that, that when I'm praying our Father, what immediately comes to mind is my church family, that I'm joining you all in the presence of God. So Jesus is teaching us in the presence here, that God's presence is here, that you're never alone, and also, number two, that you are cared for. 
that God's presence is with us. He is a loving and good parent that will never forsake us. Our third part of prayer is posture. Now don't dismiss this one here. Posture matters more than you know. I know that most of us are taught that posture is kind of our Western way of thinking. It's not a church Christ thing or a denominational thing. It's probably just our Western way of thinking that my mind is separate from my body. We, have, we often struggle with this idea that we're brains on a stick, right? That my mind is all that matters. That is not the Eastern view. That is not the, the Middle Eastern view of Jesus. Posture matters. You see Jesus taking different postures in the Gospels. He kneels in the garden. Sitting, standing, kneeling, lying down, walking, raising hands. Those are all important postures of prayer. And I believe different kinds of prayer require different posture. For example, when I walk with God, and I go on a walk around the neighborhood, we go prayer walking next week, I don't need to close my eyes. I need to have my eyes open. That's a posture. When I'm looking for gratitude in my life, instead of griping, I need my eyes open because God's gifts are all around me. When I'm confessional, I probably need to kneel or lay face down on the ground. When I'm in need of God's guidance and I'm submitting open hands make all the difference. I found that simply opening my hands in submission when I'm in conflict with others or when I'm disagreeing takes a certain posture in my life. Don't dismiss this. Posture matters. And if you find your posture leading to something that you don't want in prayer, find a different posture. If you're trying to pray and lie down and all you do is fall asleep, that's okay. But maybe you need to sit up, right? That's why I like my coffee in the mornings when I pray. Find a different posture. But maybe the fourth P is most And that is practice. Prayer is not a theory. It's a practice. When Jesus is asked, Lord, teach us to pray, what does he do? He doesn't go, okay, boys, get out your notebook. I've got a 12-point sermon for you on how to pray. What does he do? He prays, right? Teach us to pray. Our Father. He starts right into prayer. He gives them prayer, not an idea. Philip Yancey, the author, once said, we learn to pray by praying. Mother Teresa once asked about how she became a person of prayer. She, she replied in the simplest terms, by praying. But maybe the best advice I've ever heard about prayer, and I can't remember who said this, is when it comes to prayer, pray as you can. Practice. Pray as you can. If you can pray for a minute, pray. For a minute. If you get easily distracted, Pray as you can. Learn to pray those distractions. Squirrel. I'm praying for squirrels, right? Pray those distractions. Stop right there and pray. If you struggle with silence, pray loud. If you struggle with talking out loud, learn to journal. If you struggle with journaling, try it again and again. I've struggled with journaling now for 23 years. I've tried it. And I'm back at it last, last Monday. I started it again. And it's awful. 
But I know I need it because I'm able to express things as I write that I can't allow. If you can't sit quietly, practice, practice, practice. Pray as you can. Wherever you are, wherever you go, married people, pray together. Friends, learn to pray together. When someone here at worship asks you to pray or at the grocery store, what do you do? You stop and you pray. And don't worry about the one thing the enemy will always tell you when it comes to prayer. You're not good at it. Because I've got news for you. Nobody is. There is nobody in here who is a prayer expert. We are all students of prayer. The one non-negotiable when it comes to being a person of prayer is to show up and keep showing up. And be brutally honest when you show up. And that's for everybody, young and old, pray as you can. I love what Henry Nouwen said about prayer, which gets to the heart of it. He says, to pray means to stop expecting from God the same small-mindedness which you discover in yourself. To pray is to walk in full in the full light of God, and to simply, without holding back, say, I am human, and you are God. That's prayer. It is the expression of, I can't do this, and I need practice. So we don't pray looking for great words. We pray to receive God's great presence. Now, if that doesn't connect with you, those four P's. Maybe this. I learned this years ago. Somebody said this to me, and it connected because of my personality. So I'm looking for people like that, like me out there, which I hope there's only a few of us. <laughs> but here it is. To pray is to rebel. Prayer is an act of rebellion. Our world says, do it on your own. Pull yourself up. Be strong, be an individual, and prayer says, I need you, God, and I need my church. I need other Christians. The world says life is about you. Prayer and rebellion says your kingdom come, your will be done. It's not. That's prayer. It's posture, it's presence, it's practice. It's all these bees, it's all these beautiful things. But there is nothing worse than a preacher getting up and talking about prayer and then that's not doing it. Amen. <laughs> oh, talking about prayer. I'm doing what Jesus wouldn't do. I think if Jesus was here, he'd be like, You guys want to know about prayer? Let's pray. Right? So what we're gonna do for a moment is we're gonna pause and we've already done some meditation. Thank you, Adam, for that today. So we've kind of got our hearts ready for this. We're going to practice praying just by ourselves and maybe with somebody next to you for a moment. See, when Jesus prays, your kingdom come, he's doing something so powerful, church family, something so wonderful. I believe that when he says, your kingdom come, he is taking every prayer for revival and fast, there is nine of them in the Bible, and he's bringing them together. Every hopeful prayer and scripture that's found in the Psalms and in other places, like the prophets, for a better world, that longing for things to not be like they are. He's taking that and he's wrapping it up. Every, cha- every desire for change, every act of repentance, 
I believe it's summed up in that one phrase. The kingdom come. God, let your reign come again. Let your reign change this world. Let your reign change me. And so for a moment, that's what we're going to do. I'm actually going to have a timer up here because that's how uh, organized I like to be. <laughs> but we're going to take some moments. We're going to take five minutes. Just five minutes. And we're going to kind of wrap up this sermon with just some prayer time. And I want you guys in the bulletin or just on your phone if you want to open up a note on your phone. And for five minutes, we're just going to ask God, God, where can your kingdom come? In me, in my home, and in my world. I want you to answer that. Write it down if you can. Practice that. Where is your reign needed in me? Where am I a little off? Where is my heart not directed toward you? Where is my priorities off? Where does your reign need to come in my home? And where in my world? That's the big prayer. Where would you like to see change in this world? Where would you like to see God move in your world? So we're going to take about five minutes to do that. So I encourage you to grab that bulletin, grab a pen, and we're just going to get quiet. We're going to have a little timer that gets up on the screen. If you finish early, if you'd like to do this in the quiet of your own personal space, do that. Form a little prayer closet. That's fine. But if you get done and write that down, turn to your spouse, turn to a neighbor and say, hey, here's mine. And see if you can pray for your children. It might be chaotic in here, it might be noisy, but man, we serve a God who hears every one of us, right? Who hears us all. So we're going to take just a few moments to do this. At the end of the five minutes, I'll jump back up and then we'll wrap things up. But let's not just talk about prayer, let's practice it for a few moments. Bow your heads or grab that piece of paper. I'll leave this up here, or I'll, I'll say it one more time and we'll go to the timer. May your kingdom come. Where would you like to see God move? In you, in your home, and in your world. Let's pray.
Thank you all for taking that time. I hope you were able to, if nothing else, just spend a few moments just thanking God and asking God. And good uh, holy silence over, over us. I enjoyed that. I want to just close with two truths about prayer and the lesson will be yours. There's two things that are true. Both of them can be true at the same time. So I can hold up this first one, and I'm going to be able to hold up the second one at the same time. But I want us to remember this. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what you want. The purpose of prayer is to be formed. It's to be properly formed. Prayer changes you first as it changes other things. So that's our first truth, that the purpose of prayer is to be properly formed but the other thing is this that we often forget is that God moves in response to prayer. All through Scripture, you see God acting, moving, shaking things up in response to His people. In Acts 4, the early church prays for boldness and the ground beneath them shakes. In Acts 2, just two chapters before that, the people are praying. It's one of the four things they're devoted to. And God is adding to their number daily. Don't miss that connection. He sends fire to consume an altar by the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 18. He works through prayer. And I don't want us to forget that. I think sometimes we believe in our Western world that, well, God used to answer prayer. Or God gave up on prayer when all the apostles died. But that is not true. Prayer works because the Father works. And prayer works not because of our words or because of our constant speech or our begging of God. Prayer isn't a formula. Prayer works because God works. And so because of that, we are going to start a new initiative as a church. It's something that we've got away from probably since covid but we're going to go back to it. And once a month, we're going to start encouraging the church family to come and pray the simple prayer of the kingdom come. We're going to probably do this on Tuesday nights. The first one's actually going to be on Sunday night. Next Sunday is we pray over our schools. Your kingdom come in our schools as it is in heaven. But monthly after that, and probably we're not going to do it in the summers, but monthly throughout the school year, we're going to have a time where you'll come up here on a Tuesday night and the prayer focus will be interactive, it'll be engaging, it'll be something that you can put your hands on. We're going to have people in the church plan these, different people, and we're going to come together and we're going to ask for God to move. Because we don't just pray because we're supposed to. We pray because we have a relationship with a God who continues to change the world and wants to use us to change the world. So we're going to join Him in that simple prayer. This Sunday, this coming Sunday, praying for our schools, and then in September, in October, November, and December, we'll be praying in different ways for the kingdom, God's kingdom, to come. I hope you look forward to being part of that. It's been said before, and I hope it's 
Part of me hopes it's truth, part of me hopes it's not. You'll know why when I tell you. It's been said before that the spiritual depth of your church will automatically be weighed by how many people show up for a prayer activity. I want that to be true because I probably know that to be true. I don't want that to be true because I've put together a lot of prayer activities. <laughs> and the six people that show up usually doesn't grade us out. You may say, well, I don't know what to pray at those things. Listen to what we've been saying. Prayer is practice. So we were praying just a moment ago. I realized a couple things about myself. That I need Jesus to come and change. And I need the kingdom to come and invade my heart. Little sections of my life that I've closed up. Little hurts in my life that I've found to be magnified. And I know I can't change those. I've got to have God's name. So if you need anything this morning, we offer that to you. A couple of our shepherds will be out in the back if you need prayers. But let's come and let's stand and sing for prayers. Father God.